Welcome back to another episode of Don't Blame Me. We're in a weird mood today. We are. It's going to get weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like that we both are in weird moods. We're rarely not synced. I know. It's so weird. It's I, I love it, though, because like I can't deal... I'm not good with friends where we're like on different pages. Mm-hmm. Like I need to be on the same page. And I don't even want to talk about being on the same page, but we're just there. Yeah. And we're just like... Are you bleeding you. as well? A little bit still. Okay. Are you done? No, I started like two days ago. I was a okay. little bit late. Today's my like, like, I like, you know, I d- I'm wearing white. So I did like a tampon for safety. Mm. But like, I free balled it last night and I was fine, I think. But I yeah. was wearing dark sweatpants. So also like nighttime's things. different too. Yeah. <laughs> something about gravity. Something about nighttime and showers. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't understand the science. Yeah. If there is any, but like, it's different. Um, if you guys are new here, this is Advice Podcast. If you want to call in for an upcoming episode, you can leave us a voicemail at 310-694-0976. And international listeners, you can send us an audio message at meganpodcast at gmail.com. Should we get into the episode? Let's do it. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I am 23 and I just started my current job in October. I was the youngest one in the office besides one other girl who was my age. And one day I was working with her one-on-one and we started chatting about our lives and just getting to know each other. Um, and she asked me her, my opinion on her relationship. Um, she was married and got divorced. Um, and she's now dating her ex's best friend. Um, and I told her, like, I don't know if this would align with normal girl code, whatever, but like, honestly, who cares? As long as you and your boyfriend, like, aren't best friends with your ex anymore, like, who cares? <laughs> um, so, flash forward to a few months ago, they actually got engaged, um, which was, like, good for them. I'm happy if they're happy. Um, but she texted me saying, you might have to be my bridesmaid. And it kind of, like, made me feel weird because, like, first of all, she said, you might have to be. Like, what do you mean I might have to? <laughs> that was, like, kind of weird. Um, so, I kind of just responded, like, OMG, crazy. I'm so happy for you um, because, like, we just met a couple months ago and we aren't even that close of friends like we only see each other at work and like don't really talk about things outside of work very much um so I kind of just brushed it off and didn't bring it up again but then a few weeks later she snaps me directly and says um will you be my bridesmaid and I'm like I don't know what to say because it's on snapchat so there's like red receipts and I'm like girl I barely know you I was so flustered So um, I just responded and I said, OMG, I'm so honored (laughs) because I didn't know if I wanted to say yes, but I didn't want to say no because I didn't want to be mean. Um, And basically, I just feel like I have to text her and say something about not wanting to be in her wedding, but I don't know how to break it to her softly. And I don't really have a good excuse because the wedding is in September 21, September of 2021. And I don't know if like money would be a good excuse because it's so far away. Anyways, I don't know what to say, and I need your help, please. I'm a cancer, so I feel awful about the whole situation. Um, I really hope I can hear your advice, and I love the podcast. Thanks for creating it. Bye. This is my worst nightmare. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) I know. You know. I know. You know this is my worst fucking nightmare. Um, Ugh. I mean, 
like I couldn't I'm I'm so stubborn like I'm not a people ple- like I'm like to a fault like I'm not a people pleaser mm-hmm. I'm like a I'm a Megan pleaser like I'm not gonna fucking do something I don't want to do like I'm so stubborn but this like if I was in this, like, I would be like, fuck, dude, you're right. Like, like September 2021. Like, what the fuck is the excuse? I mean, by that time, they may be best friends. <laughs> but I'm thinking that because this girl is dating her ex's, her ex-husband's best friend is engaged. She has to him, no female. She friends. has no female friends. And probably if she did, they probably like don't want to be part of her messy life now. Mm hmm. And so you're all that she's got because you you encouraged the relationship. So she's like, this is my champion. Wait, can we also talk about, oh, my God, that's crazy. I know, that that would have been something I would have said, too. I like that's literally like my go-to. Wow. I'm just like, wow, that's Jeez. crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I feel so fucking bad for you. I mean, I think like it just... There's no way to get out of, like, I, at this point, because it is so far ahead, there's no way to get out of it without hurting her feelings and, like, looking bad and, like, most likely ruining, like, the work friendship that you have. But if you're okay with that, then just say no and there you go but like that is like there's going to be repercussions of saying no and like you are going to kind of look like an asshole but are you okay looking like an asshole like there I'm fine looking like an asshole sometimes like but I understand if like you just have to weigh the pros and cons like is it worth it to go or also do you think they're actually going to get married like do you think it's going to happen they planned it so far in advance who knows but also like Imagine being asked to be a bridesmaid in a Snapchat message. I can't. Like, I actually fucking can't. Like, that's so weird. Oh, maybe you just say you thought she was kidding. Yeah. Because it was Snapchat. But then you still have to... Yeah, but then you get... Because then the the issue right now is, like, how do you say no to something... That's a year, like, that is, like, in 2021. Like, mm-hmm. how do you have an excuse then? But if you play it off, like, you thought it was... This could also really blow up in your fucking face. You, if you play it off like you thought it was a joke, and then until she brings it up later, and, like, you can be like, oh, I didn't I didn't realize you were serious. Like, I thought that was just, like, a thing on Snapchat. Like, I'm actually busy, or, like, I actually, like, finances, I'm not going to be able to, blah, blah, blah. Because the other issue is, too, you could say that, like... I mean, my go-to excuse for stuff that is, like... I really don't want to do um and, and like is I will literally go somewhere else like I will like get on a plane and be like oh I'm so sorry I'm gonna be out of town and then I will actually go out of town to be like no but I can't again, do this it's still so far in advance but that's what I mean if she can if you can buy some fucking time but the issue is is like we don't know what's going to happen September 2021. Like, what if you're like, oh, it turns out, like, I'm actually going to be out of town that week. Like, that's so sucky. And then it's like, hey, the wedding got pushed back a month. Yeah. And, and, like, and also, she would have to take off work if she's going to be out of town. Because <laughs> they work together. I would, You just have to be truthful. That's the thing. Yeah. Because there's like, no... What do you say? You just say, hi, I don't want to be your bridesmaid. Hey, I don't feel comfortable being your bridesmaid because I don't know you that well or your fiancé. 
Because essentially, yeah. as a bridesmaid, you're standing up for somebody's relationship. Yeah. And if you don't know them, you can't truthfully stand there and truthfully be happy for them. Yeah, and you're spending money. Right. A lot like, of money. Yeah. Dresses, shoes. And like Probably planning it. shit for her yeah. as the bride. And you're like, I don't really fucking know you. Yeah. Like, That's also just so, I like, I also feel like you might be her only bridesmaid. Unless she has like a cousin or a sister. Yeah. Because like, she didn't do one of those like, you know, those like, I, I got a box with like a candle and a, and a mug that says like, be my bridesmaid. And like that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not like you're on a group chat suddenly with like all the other bridesmaids. Like, it's just you. It's just you. You're the maid of honor. They were the ones that were in her first wedding were like, nope, I don't want to be. Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot that that was. He was probably the best man at her first wedding. Oh, my God. I didn't even think of like the other wedding. They were they were married. They were married. And this was her husband's best friend. So he was definitely in the first wedding messy mm-hmm. and maybe maybe no but you're a cancer you and you seem like a really nice person so i don't think you'd go just to like watch the shit like if it like if it is like a messy wedding and they're a lot but she could that could be the thing though she could be like i would be happy to come to your wedding but i don't want to but i don't feel comfortable being a bridesmaid maybe that's what she says yeah i wish it was more normal just to like say no to yeah. being a bride because like, there's this like no, but again i'm trying to put myself in her shoes yeah i would i mean i would come up with an excuse but i just like hate the idea like that it's if someone asks you you have to kind of say yes mm-hmm. like that there is that like pressure and it's like oh and then i'm gonna have to do that for you in my wedding but like i don't even want to be in fucking yours and yeah. now you're gonna be upset that you're not in mine well best of luck really fucking don't envy you don't either uh, I'm sorry this is just like I can tell the pit you know like yeah. where you're just like oh, what do I do well let us know what you end up doing and if she has any other bridesmaids hi Megan and Melissa um, I just called but I feel like it was all scattered everywhere um, so I'm so sorry Melissa please don't yell at me I'm sensitive I'm a Pisces um, but anyways um, I'm 23 and I have my boyfriend who I've been dating for like two years, going on to three. And I've met his family once. Um, And it was this year before like this whole pandemic went down. Um, And, you know, we bonded. It was great. Awesome. Um, And I, you know, I fit right in. But thing is that today they've asked me for like this huge favor. Um, Basically it was, be me helping them um, get a family member tested for COVID. And I said, I said no. But the thing is that like, I didn't feel comfortable saying no. I felt, I didn't feel comfortable them asking me the favor, but I felt like I couldn't say no. And whenever I told them like, you know what? Um, I can't do it. I'm already doing things for my mom right now, like getting groceries. Um, and my dad is, immune compromise like I really shouldn't be risking myself like this I felt very guilty um but this is an issue that I have constantly like I always feel bad whenever my boyfriend's mom asks me to do favors 
um, and I can't do it, like, I will go out of my way to help her, always. And I feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, I can I can do it, and I'm able to, and I want to, so I do. But there's sometimes where, like, I literally can't, but I still better somehow to do it because I just, I just can't say no. And whenever I do say no, I feel like a total bitch for not helping them. So my question is, how do I get over this guilt of saying no? And how do I say no? Because I am a, a people pleaser, I guess, especially when it comes to my boyfriend's family, because I feel the need to have them like me. And I feel like if I say no, they're not going to like me. But, um, yeah. Um, if you, any advice would be great. Um, thank you so much, guys. I love the podcast. Um, big fan. Um, and again, please be nice because I am a Pisces and I am very sensitive. Thank you. See, as long as you guys give us this disclaimer, right? We will be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny that literally in the last call, I said I am not a people pleaser. Like I am a Megan pleaser. Mm-hmm. I used to be um, a people pleaser. Very oh, much I, so. Uh, I a hundred percent used to be a people pleaser, and then I like you know became like uh, uh, an adult, like mm-hmm. not an adult. I was gonna make a joke that was not that was dark, but then like I like had like I don't know like read my book, like not you, <laughs> you've listened to it, but for other people, like I very much then became like a solo act, yeah. and I was like, oh, nobody's looking out for me, mm-hmm. so I have to look out for me because like I don't have anyone who is, um, and then that's how I became like the opposite of a people pleaser. But it took a long time and, like, you know, trauma. So it's not necessarily a good thing. But, I mean, it's hard. I mean, first of all, I think it's a little weird that you've only met them once. But they, like, ask you for favors all the time. Yeah, it is I'm weird. Con- I-, I think I'm, ju- I'm just a little confused about, like, this. Like- Maybe the whole family she's met once, but the mom she's met a few times. Yeah. And that maybe she lives, like, closer by and, like, her boyfriend, her her son, her boyfriend is, like, he, like, she works from home and maybe he's like an essential worker or something mm-hmm. else like that, that it kind of gets defaulted onto you. Um, I mean, I do kind of wish I knew if this was uh, like specifically in this situation, like if she asked your boyfriend to, or if she does ask you, because like there is, I personally have issue with uh like you know old <laughs> this is also mommy issues but like older women like telling me like oh take care of this take care of this take care of this and not asking like mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. that i have a like i have a big issue with because it does feel like the burdens on me and you're looking down on me as a woman and like a head of household like matriarch sort of yep. thing and then if i'm not living up to that i am therefore a disappointment because i'm not living up to your expectations of what you're doing of what so, like, a woman should be quote unquote yeah. those old fashioned thoughts about taking care of the household mhm mhm and like keeping everything under control and like all of that sort of stuff so i don't know if that's that kind of situation um because that can definitely fucking like get to your like that that's fucks me up and like you feel guilty because it also puts into question like your worth and value mm-hmm. because someone else is making that a woman's worth and value and then if you're not living up to it and you're like fucking shit like am i not like what the fuck is up with this but i think in general it's if you're if they're not gonna like you and anyone anyone in regardless if (laughs) someone's going to like you or they're not going to like you you saying no 
if they if their positive uh, thoughts of you and impression of you is contingent on you saying yes to favors, they don't actually like you. Mm-hmm. Like they're just they they want you to be what they want for you. They want you to be like an agreeable. They want you to be handy. They want you to be like have access to you and do all of this sort of stuff. And if you don't fit that mold, then they're not going to like you. But then if they like that mold of you, it's not you. And like you have to like continue upkeep and hold that versus people who like ask for a genuine favor or something like that. And you say no because you can't. And it's not like you say no to everything, but you say no because you actually can't. That's It's not going to affect their perception of you. But that's kind of a thing that's that's already you can't control it. Like they've already made up their mind. But the issue is your actual feelings about it. But how did you get over being a people pleaser? So I this it got out of hand when I was in college where I was just being stretched so thin that I like couldn't say no to anything. And then that was like my first bout of like depression. Yeah. And so that's the first time I actually went to therapy. And um, we talked about how, like, I can't fully please anyone if I'm not pleasing myself. And so um, I had to be selfish, basically. I needed to put myself first and be selfish. And um, there was no way out of that depression if I was going to constantly be taking care of other people and not myself. And so I got out of it by, I just started saying no to people and it like, and it was like left and right. Like I, I was in, I was the president of this organization and I just like couldn't do it anymore. And I was just like, I, I need to step back. And, and even though like this was something that was highly regarded and like, I went to the, the, um, the, um, What's it called when it's not not like a teacher that's over it, but the sponsor for the mm. the um club that I was in, and I told them, and they um agreed with me, and so I took a step back. Like I still would go to meetings and things, but I just wouldn't preside over the meetings. And everybody was understandable. And I remember the last day um, before I graduated. And I got up and I told everybody my story and everybody was like crying. And so like everybody was being supportive. So if you're just truthful to people and just say like, I, I cannot do this like this, I just say no. And if, if they ask for a reason, then give it to them. And if they don't, then just leave it at that. And then you just have to move on from it. And you can't feel guilty because if you can't do it, that's not on that's not on you it's not on them it's just like it's it's just something like you can't be full if you're giving from a a empty tank yeah so and putting that putting your self-worth which is i'm so familiar but putting your self-worth in the hands of other people it's it's so hard Mm -hmm. like if that's the thing that like that's how you feel I don't know, like when you feel good about yourself is when other people are happy with you. Yep. You can't control that. Mm-hmm. And so putting your self-worth in the hands of other people, they're always going to be reckless with it. And they're never going to because nobody's nobody thinks of that. Nobody's thinking that like mm-hmm. my impression of her is either going to make or break her. Like right. people don't think like that. And if you can try and think like that, too, of like when people say no to you, you don't get upset. Like right. you, you don't like think less of them. And it's 
trying to regard and that's like a thing that I practice like all the time and just normal stuff where it's like especially like anxiety or like like self-consciousness or like anything I think about I'm like well I've never thought this about anybody else Mm -hmm. so why am I thinking that other people are thinking about me or I've never noticed this about somebody else so why am I thinking that that's like the first thing that people notice about me or like the first like the biggest impression of me or all of that sort of stuff but like you said, like it's a it's a muscle. So saying no, it's just you have to practice. And mm-hmm. the more you say no, the easier it is. And people will be more understanding than not. Like you said, that like other people will understand because it's so it's such a fucking common thing. Like it's so, so, so common. But until you are pleasing yourself and happy with yourself, there's no amount of people pleasing you can do to then be, again, pleased with yourself. Yeah. And it's 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 a like a definitely a process but i think that the more you start to say no the easier it will get exactly. i used to have a very hard time saying no and now i have a very easy time saying me too no. i need to say yes more yeah i it's like i i have to think about myself and if i like i said before like if you you can't take care of yourself if you're taking care of everybody else and you can't be the people that are most important for you to take care of are your parents right now you and your parents and so you can't give to them to the other side and i guessing they think of you as family but you even though you barely know them but you can't help them if you're not helping the people that are close to you and they shouldn't expect that no they shouldn't well best of luck i'm excited for you to say no more me too. You all those like inspirational quotes. They're like, say yes more. I remember my New Year's resolution a couple years ago was to say no more. And then like at the end of like maybe it was like two years later, I was like, okay, I like really ran with no. I yeah. need to like get back to like, I'll throw in some maybes, some mm-hmm. yeses again. That was like uh, Shond- Shonda Rhimes book is called Year of Yes because she would always say no to everything. And then for a year, she said yes to everything. And like a whole bunch of doors open, but then she was like, at the end of the book, she's like, I say, I went back to saying no to a lot of stuff, but I just say <laughs> yes to a few more things. I, yeah, that's the, that's the mindset we should all have. Yeah. Cause saying yes to too much, no. it's too much. It's too much. Hi. I've been in a long term relationship where my partner, who is born male, is now identifying as gender fluid. Uh, previously, it was a cross-dressing situation where I just kind of put it out of my mind. He just wanted to look pretty, like, whatever. Um, we dated for a year and a half, and I got engaged. And after he proposed, he started to discover himself more, and therefore changing from cross-dressing to gender fluid. Uh, while I'm a cis straight female, and the gender fluid that you had somewhat made me uncomfortable, but I really want to be accepting. Uh, it's just been very hard. I've been talking to a therapist, and he has been too. I've been keeping this to myself for the most part, and I think it's just been hard because I've always seen myself dating a this straight male, and now this is not the case. Uh, we are planning to get married, but I want to be full on accepting and be proud of both sides of them as male and female, but I just haven't gotten there yet. Any advice on how to handle this, maybe some research I need to know about, or maybe how to embrace more of the LGBTQ community more? Uh, thank you. I'm sure it's a very hard, like, like you said, like you don't, she doesn't really want to talk to him, him to talk to, sorry, talk to them about it because it's, it doesn't sound like for you, it sounds like you are just trying to gather your 
I don't know, like just just go through this, mm-hmm. but knowing that you're going through this by proxy yeah. of like someone else who is then going through it on their own. And I mean, I think the best thing is just to talk to your partner and ask them and say, I'd love to have an open conversation with you about this when when and if you are comfortable. Yeah. And I love you and all of that. And I think that I would also like it sounds dumb, but like I don't have any specific book recommendations, but I would read a ton of books. And like I know there's lots of uh, YouTube channels. I'm trying to remember what their name is. And um, I, I also think that there's probably a community of other people that are in your shoes as well that can probably help you with this, I would think. Yeah. You know, and like a support a, group. There's a YouTube couple that I don't fully remember. I, I need to. I'll figure it out and then we'll have it listed in um, the show notes if I can remember their name. But I think that I think that taking it upon yourself to like educate yourself more Mm -hmm. on the mindset and the process of going through all of this and going through like a your, your gender identity and all of that. I would also say I don't. Did she say how old she was? Um. No, she didn't. Because I would also say I think that the idea of like what you picture your future when you say you pictured your future with like a cisgendered male, I think that there are, if you can look at that, like we picture our life in a lot of ways that when we grow up, we kind of realize that A, they fit into like society standards of Mm -hmm. like what is normal and it's what is represented like so, 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 so heavily. And I think that if you can then look at other parts of your life where you expected one thing and then you're like, oh, that's not what I wanted or like not what I grew up in was into or not. I didn't like that. If you can kind of recognize that that's a shift that happens in every facet of your life. Like if it's whether you thought that this was going to be your career or you really thought you were going to go to college here or you thought that you were going to like have this 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 and this and like what you really wanted and a lot of the time what we grow up wanting is what we grow up seeing and we grow up seeing that 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 like Kodak cookie cutter idea of what a family is which is like incredibly heteronormative mm-hmm. and we have Disney princesses and we have all of that and so it can be I don't want to say it's like you're it can be a, something that you are conditioned just based on what you've seen. And I think if you can go out of your way to watch more like movies and read more books with the representation of lots of different people on the gender fluidity scale and like queer people and everything like that, I think I would I would assume that that might feel a little bit. It might feel like a little bit more like, oh, wow, I was really I had this idea of what I wanted because that's the only Thing that I saw mm-hmm. and I didn't and this this is different to me and this is something that I don't know a ton about and knowledge is power and the more that you can like learn and read learn and understand without it, putting it on them yeah and I think from there like gender is a construct like it is like it's it's it, it is so 
it's just yeah it's again it's it's a fucking construct like people who like go around and like talk about like isn't it so weird that like time is a thing and i'm like isn't it so weird that gender is a thing yeah. like that it's so weird that there's like colors assigned like each one and like things that you like and all of that sort of stuff and i think a lot of people now are seeing uh we're growing up and we're seeing representation uh, also because of social media that we're just seeing more people with different like lifestyles and different like who they are shown everywhere that we're seeing all of this sort of stuff but all that matters is your feelings for your partner and how much you love them mm-hmm. and that's and that's it and that's what I think you need to focus on is educating yourself and equipping yourself with like the materials and the knowledge to, 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 yeah, to feel comfortable. I think about what I saw for my life when I was like younger and like how I pictured all of this, how I pictured my life. And it's completely different. Like it's so different. And I think that gender is something when you, from your call, haven't said that you've ever struggled with your own gender identity. It can feel something that is like so incredibly foreign that you can't relate to. Mm -hmm. But I think you can relate to growing up and being different than you thought you would be mm-hmm. it's so it's like so 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 normal but when it's not something that you've personally been through it is it's just about educating yourself so you can then just know how other people have experienced this and what goes into it because you haven't experienced it firsthand mm-hmm. But I think therapy is great. I think that's fantastic. I would also like if you guys are if you really like your therapist, I think that's awesome. But if there I know a lot of people in the queer community specifically, I mean, people in underrepresented communities or marginalized communities in general tend to benefit from a therapist who is specialized Mm -hmm. in that and focuses that on talks and that because there could also be, you know, transphobic therapists and like racist therapists, which is the fucking like exact opposite like what you want from therapy so if your therapist doesn't specialize in like gender and all of that i think that it would hopefully like really benefit you guys from being with a therapist that is familiar with this journey as opposed to you guys and your partner having to explain it Mm -hmm. Because I think that puts a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. And also going to couples therapy could help as well because you guys are going to individual therapy. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to go to couples therapy. Go to couples therapy. Go to a uh, go to a a therapist and a counselor who specializes Mm -hmm. and works specifically in like the in the gender fluid queer community. Mm -hmm. And I think that will. Yeah, I think that will help. You, you understand and, and also it's yeah a, just it's a safe space for for both of you to be able to talk and discuss your feelings because both your feelings are valid um and this is this is hard like on on both sides it's hard um and so and i and also if you're if you guys set a date for the wedding maybe put it off until you guys like don't focus on getting married but focus yeah. on understanding each other side in this and then once everything's straightened out then focus on the wedding because that can put a lot of extra pressure on you that you don't need right now and I think you just need to reiterate to your partner that like I love you endlessly and this is not me like questioning our relationship it's me 
needing to equip myself with the knowledge to be the best partner to mm-hmm. you in this now, like to the this identity that you have. This is who I, this is. I need to I need to learn and understand so I can advocate for you and so I can be super supportive of you and so I'm not ever accidentally hurting you or mm-hmm. or saying anything that is harmful or perpetuating any of these ideas and in order to be the best life partner for you I need us to, I, I need to be equipped with the knowledge of how I can do that because like you never want to like accidentally say or do anything that's yeah like harmful or hurtful and it can be hard especially like in those conversations you don't want to pu- push it with your partner and I think with a therapist that they feel comfortable with too you guys could have some really great constructive conversations in a safe place. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But best of luck. Congratulations on being engaged. Yeah. And um, happy for your partner for living, living their truth, their living their best life. life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after. We talk a lot about physical health and mental health, but what about sexual health? Whether you hit the gym, take a walk, or meditate, if you want to take care of your whole self, you need to prioritize your pleasure along with your body and mind. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. These stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you're right there. There's something for everyone, whatever and whatever you're into. They add new content every week, so there's always more to explore. You can find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot, steamy stranger, or even stories about trying that new toy together or getting tied up. Ooh, kinky, into that. The wellness sessions can also help you unlock new confidence or heighten intimacy with your partner. Now, Melissa, you love Dipsy, right? I do. For me, mental health and sexual health go hand in hand. And as someone that leads a very stressful life, Dipsy is one of those things that I go to when I need to decompress. I really love the stories themselves. I think the writers do an excellent job. I think the readers, actors do a great job. And for me, I often go back to the very first story that I listened to called Video Play. I think it's hot and it is a great way for me to chill out and relax and have a little me time. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash blame. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash blame. Dipsystories.com slash blame. Care-of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long-term. Care-of's in-depth five-minute online quiz makes it easy. Simply answer some questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health concerns, and Care-of will recommend a list of vitamins and supplements to address your specific wellness goals. Their new skin and hair collection helps you work on your beauty goals from all angles with a combination of targeted ingredients for hair, skin, and nails. You can follow Care-of's expert recommendations or adjust your pack at any time. What you receive is totally up to you. Your recommendations come in daily individual wrap packs that are perfect for getting back into a routine. 
And Kara's products are formulated with good-for-you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. Their yummy protein powders are made with wholesome ingredients you can recognize, like organic cocoa and pink Himalayan sea salt. I'm a huge fan of Kara. I've been a fan for a while. My new package is on its way right now. And um, some of the vitamins that I have in mind, magnesium, huge fan, really helps with my stress. Uh, I also love the B complex. That's also super important to me. Antioxidants are also super important to me, but I am just a massive fan. For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code don't blame 50. That's takecareof.com and code don't blame 50 for 50% off your first care of order. Don't Blame Me with Megan Rinks is supported by BetterHelp Online Counseling. We are in extraordinary times, and if you are struggling with stress, anxiety, or depression, hello, me too, you are not alone. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are trained to listen and help. BetterHelp counselors specialize in many areas, including relationship conflict, anxiety, depression, loss, trauma, and more. You'll securely connect with your counselor in a safe, confidential online environment. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. It's super, super convenient. You can easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist, and you can exchange unlimited text messages. If for any reason you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. You guys know we are so pro-therapy here at Don't Blame Me, and BetterHelp is an amazing way for you to have therapy at, at your fingertips. It's incredibly convenient, and especially the times that we're in. There's no excuse, guys. We all need it. I mean, I definitely know that this whole time has made me need therapy and appreciate it even more. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code BLAME. Join the over 1 million people already using BetterHelp. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Get started today at BetterHelp.com BLAME. That's BetterHelp.com BLAME. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Hi, Megan and Melissa. Um, so I'd like to get some advice about feeling restless in a relationship. Um, so this is kind of going to be all over the place. This is the first time I'm talking about it, but um, here we go. So I'm 24, and, and I'm a Pisces Aries cusp, and I've been with my boyfriend, who's 27, and a Scorpio for almost three years now. Um, we're both halfway through graduate school, and like a lot of people, both of our schools slash jobs have been remote for the past few months um, and will be for the foreseeable future. Um, when we first moved here for school, I was having a lot of mental health issues, was feeling severely depressed and struggling to make friends and go out and have fun. Uh, but he, on the other hand, was thriving and making tons of friends and just living a fast life. Uh, fast forward to now, most of his friends have left the city Everything is remote, um, and as an extrovert, he's really struggling with the whole quarantine slash um, social distancing thing. Um, not to mention, he's received a lot of bad news from his family about like um, their health issues um, and just issues, et cetera, on top of all of the recent protests and triggering media content. Um, all of this has really been weighing on his psyche, and to cope with this, he's just been staying inside most of the time, working and playing video games. And whenever we see each other, he just wants to make dinner, watch movies, and have sex. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with this, but um, on my end, I've just been mentally thriving this year, aside from everything that's happening in the world. And um, I'm personally an introvert, and I always have enjoyed working from home anyways. So the quarantine slash social distancing thing hasn't really affected me much. In fact, it's improved my mental health even more. So... 
our state is still pretty much locked down, but I'm always trying to get creative and think of new fun things that we can do um, to switch things up, like going for a bike ride or hiking or kayaking, going for a job, uh, drive to sightsee from the car. But when I bring up the idea, he says, well, think about it, and we almost never end up doing anything new. Um, so, and whenever we do something, I feel like I'm forcing him. So I understand he's going through a lot, but honestly, in the years we've been together, he's not really, like, initiated anything, and I was hoping that being here would change that. So I guess to make a long story short, I'm wondering how I could, like, make him want to do more, and, oh, no, I ran out of time. <laughs> but, yeah, if you're still listening to this, I'm just trying to get advice on how I can um, get him to... Um, want to do more things with me um, and whether or not I should ask him or tell him that I'm feeling um, restless in the relationship because I don't want to put pressure on him but I do want to prioritize my own needs as well. Thanks. I think the thing here is that you said at the end of the call that he's never initiated to do anything to begin with. So, yeah, But have you ever said that before? Right. That's the kind of thing that I'm like, I totally hear you. And I think that's so valid. But he sounds depressed mm -hmm. and struggling mentally. And if this is if this is an issue prior to this, it's exasperated. It's exacerbated by this. Right. And bringing it up now. Is Isn't the, the time. No. no, if it wasn't the time before. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think that the reason why for you, it feels like probably overwhelming is because like you said you are thriving mm -hmm. here so it's even more frustrating when you feel like you're kind of you're not getting your needs met because you're getting your needs met in all of these other ways right. that it can kind of feel like the missing piece but his mental health is the exact opposite and he's really struggling and he doesn't want to do anything new and he doesn't and I think like planning to do stuff to like cheer him up and like, hey, let's go take a drive and like being, I don't know if he's spontaneous or not, but like being saying like, hey, we're going to do this on Friday. Not like, and you can say like, hey, do you want to do this? Like, let's do this. And not like in hypotheticals, like if you plan it and do it and see if he enjoys it and see if like it does bring some happiness to his life and he is enjoying that then that's great. But I think putting an expectation on him right now, mm -hmm. regardless of the fact that he's already he's always been like this and it's just gotten worse, there's no way to not tie that to his current mental health right. state. And so I think if you're unhappy in the relationship, that's valid and fine. And if you want to break up, that's totally valid and fine. But to kind of give him this you're giving him a test that he's inevitably going to fail mm -hmm. like and with his current mental and health. And he would have failed it before because he wasn't and he didn't he wasn't the one initiating anything and so now you're putting something on him on top of everything else that he's going through and it seems like he's just trying to cope right now. Um and you can't expect more of him than he can deal with at this point. Yeah, and who knows maybe if this is Maybe he has um, uh, what we would always call um, younger boy of two brothers syndrome, where everything had kind of been done for him. And he'd never or he grew up with his friends were always the planners. And mm -hmm. he like that was not what he really brought to the table. Like he was like, oh, he's number one invite. We yeah. always want him there. He's, he's the, the one best. that's always down to do stuff. Yeah. But and he's he like always a good one. time. But 
that was instigating it. it. Yeah. And so there is an opportunity to grow there, but that's when he's capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that if this is something that if you're done with the relationship, you're done with the relationship. Like, and that's again, like totally fucking fine. But if this is something that back then when this was originally happening, if you feel like you didn't say anything because you felt like the relationship was too new or you felt uncomfortable asking for it, or did you not ask because you didn't think he was capable of doing that? And if you didn't think he was capable of that, people can argue and say like, well, you don't know if you didn't try, like you're allowed to like make those assumptions, like you're allowed to like make those judgments and those assumptions as someone's partner. And also it's the same thing we say with friends. Like a lot of the time when like people do shitty things, like I could ask, like I could tell you that this was shitty and like, I want you to change, but like, I don't fucking care enough. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't necessarily think no, I mean, offense, whatever. I don't think that highly of you and that you are going to like adjust and change to this. And like our, it doesn't mean so much to me. And like our relationship doesn't mean so much to me that I'm going to ask you to, to change or to do something differently. But I think you just kind of have to weigh that. And then also if you have asked before and you have talked about this before with him and nothing changed, then I think that you just have to, I guess my fine, my like, full encompassing advice is you either need to break up (laughs) or you need to just deal Mm -hmm. with this until the pandemic's over like you need you're gonna you're gonna need to go this like Mm -hmm. 80 75 90 percent um and if you can't do that that's totally fine but i don't think putting it on him right now is going to do anything but make it worse mm-hmm. it's gonna hinder your relationship yeah i think it'll fully just backfire mm-hmm. but it's hard i feel i think there, there's so many people i know who like are couples where like one is thriving the other one is not yeah. and i felt like Mons and i were like that for a while that like i was thriving i'm definitely not thriving <laughs> like because i i mean we've talked about this before i've always thought that i was an introvert I'm not an introvert. Mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert with social anxiety. Yeah. And so I, but I like, I'm losing it. Um, but for a while I thought that he was doing, I was like crushing it. And like, he was really fucking struggling. Cause he's also an extrovert. And now I'm like, Oh, we're both struggling. Yeah. Um, I, there was like a month where I was striving, thriving. And then now it's just like, I'm getting used to this as being the normal but I'm not like as productive as I was being because I just like I am exhausted and I'm not even I'm doing a lot but not as much as I could be doing but Mm -hmm. I'm just like mentally exhausted because I can't yep I can't we're all trying to figure it out (laughs) Uh, should we go on to the next hey Megan and Melissa so I have quite the situation. Okay, so it started the other day. I was in my basement. Um, I have a stepbrother. Um, I'm in college, by the way, um, but I'm living at home right now. So I was looking for movies to watch with my boyfriend, and I looked in my stepbrother's room and his kind of TV console, just thinking that there might be more movies in there. and. I did not find movies, but I did find 
two pairs of my underwear. Um, I was shocked at first, and I thought maybe our laundry got mixed up, and he just was too lazy to bring it upstairs. But then I brought it upstairs, and then it was taken again, and it was back in his console. So I knew that he was taking it on purpose, um, and it kind of creeps me out a lot. Um, so I told my mom and my stepdad, which is his dad, and he had a conversation with him. And basically, my stepbrother explained that he was using my underwear to get off. Um, he has agreed to go to therapy and talk to a mentor of his, which is great. But my question is, how do I move on and kind of feel comfortable in my own house when I'm living with somebody who stole my underwear to get off? Um I understand that this is like, I guess, a fetish, but I just feel so uncomfortable and I really don't know what to do. So any advice would be great. Um, I love your podcast. And yeah, bye. As soon as I heard basement and stepbrother, I was like, <gasps> but is that where you is... thought it was going? No, because we've had some fucking stepbrother fuckers on the show. <sighs> oh my God. Well, the word that I would really urge you to like, recognizing you as violated like you feel violated yeah. rightfully so it's not just like an ick and it's not like um fetish shaming at all this is your stepbrother and also fetishes fetishes are great and fetishes are fine and that's amazing but we need to not tie fetishes to viol being violated yeah and that's something shouldn't. that's like shame in the fetish community where yeah. people are like oh gross ew like blah 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 and it's like no as long as everything's fucking consensual mm -hmm. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, that's great. Like, we need to not kink shame. Exactly. And in doing so, understanding that a kink does not cross your your own personal comfort and boundaries mm -hmm. and con consent. Like, that it, it should never, it should never be like that. I can't believe he admitted, like. I know. That's. That's he, like, the part that I'm like. He admitted it. But, like, what else could it have been? You know? If he took them more than one time, he had to. Have, I'm sure the stepdad is probably his dad was probably already knew where it was going and forced it out of him. Oh, no, 100 yeah. percent. And I'm sure that you heard it through your mom, mom and your stepdad. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that it wasn't him saying it to you. Um, I think it's great that they're putting him in. Yeah, because like, that was going to be my first thing is tell your parents. But you did that. You Which did all the all the things that you should have done you waited yeah. to see if they were gone again yeah then you told your I mean, parents i think that i i mean i think therapy is beneficial in in general i mm -hmm. think you would also probably really benefit I think from you should 100 go to therapy because it is it is it, it, it's a feeling, violation yeah and i think that's something that needs to be like recognized and honored that it's not it's it's yeah it, it is a pure violation and it is you're in your own house where you live with this person mm -hmm. and you don't feel necessarily like safe or comfortable mm -hmm. and i would also say just like day-to-day -day kind of shit if and this isn't saying that like your stepbrother is like a predator or anything or anyone who has like a fetish is a predator but like if you don't have a lock on your door like get a lock on your door like if there are other things or like laundry have like if your mom is comfortable like 
she's only she's going to put the laundry away or you're going to do it. He just went in her room and stole it. Because if it well, no, that's what twice, it's a, so lock. Get make yeah. sure there's a lock on your door. But then on top of that, like if like any other way that like you can feel like your stuff is your stuff, and that, and it's just like even just being around him is probably yeah. weird. I'm sure it's weird too. I would. I, would, I was gonna like I, Google, but I'm to like see if there are some things to help. But I don't think that the Google search would come up the way that no. I want it to come up. Um. I think you need to make your room your safe place because I think your house but doesn't it's not feel like just, your safe place. Yeah, right I don't now. think it's just her room, though. It's like she goes to the kitchen. And no, exactly. And I was going to say, maybe get a mini fridge in your room, like get a projector, get some like get some stuff that can feel like if you're not. And I th- it's going to be a process, which is why I think therapy is the best, best way to go about like mm-hmm. dealing with this and like working through this. But I think finding a way that you can make you can give yourself a safe place in a house you don't feel safe and a house that you don't feel comfortable a place that feels really like this is your fucking this is yours and so when you do have to like if there's and even talk to your like your parents and just be like hey I don't really want to do family dinners for a couple weeks like I don't feel comfortable with that or my boyfriend's gonna stay over for a couple weeks or I'm gonna go crash at his place and just honor your feelings as they come up and not right not not having anyone and your your parents do not seem like that like they seem very understanding of this Mm -hmm. but that there is First and foremost, right now, he is a person who has violated you. He is not your stepbrother, first and foremost. And so that family dynamic, you need to protect yourself and remove yourself from that situation in any time that it makes you feel rightfully so uncomfortable and being and and not being around him for like it, it whatever is going to make you feel safe in that house, regardless of if it hurts his feelings. You need to be your number one. Mm-hmm. Ugh, 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 ugh. How long have you guys been step siblings too? And, and how, how old and is he? What's the age difference? I would think probably younger. She's got the basement, and she's been away at college. I think he's probably younger. I don't know. Yeah. Ugh. No, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's violating in it. I can imagine like how, like, like it gives you the icks. Like it's just like uncomfortable and gross. But yeah, I really focus on, focus on you and let everybody else focus on their own sort of shit. So you don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe family dinners. You don't owe a family fucking vacation. Like, you don't owe any of that stuff mm-hmm. because also what was it that um I forget we talked about it it was someone said a guest said it in some episode but um like you can't respect you can't go out of your way to respect people's boundaries who they don't respect you mm-hmm. so if you're like if you're trying to like do all of this stuff and like you know like well I want to upkeep this kind of thing the person who violated that is the one who ruined that you don't have to Sounds like something Megan Tonjes might have said. I, I that's when I I was like yeah. I think it was a Megan Tonjes quote, but um, yeah, I'm so sorry. I can't even. Oh, and then corn in the being stuck inside. Ugh, ugh. She's ugh, usually ugh. not even there. Yeah, which also then probably feels weird, like too. Yeah. All right. Well, sending you comfy and like safe, comfortable thoughts. Yeah.
I'm really sorry. Okay, time for Don't Blame Them. You guys call in with your advice from a different episode. So the original call was from season six, episode five, where the caller, she uh, didn't know how to be supportive of a friend that was in a relationship that was toxic. Mm. So this is someone calling with their own advice. Hi, I'm calling in with some advice for the girl who wanted help with being there for a friend that's in a toxic relationship. Um, Basically, I was the person in a toxic relationship that would go to my friends when I was really upset and vent to them. And we were in the same friend group as the guy that I was dating. Um, The guy wasn't a bad guy, just not a good relationship. But um, anyway, I would go to my friends constantly um, to the point where they didn't like him at all because all they would see about him and us was me being really upset. And it took me a really long time to leave the relationship. So they were just constantly having to watch that while simultaneously having to hang around him knowing that he was causing me to feel like that. And now I can see how unfair that was to my friends to put them in that situation. Um, And in my current relationship, when we have actual problems, I don't go to my friends about it. Like, I will if it's for advice, but it's about changing the way that you word it so that you're actually asking for advice rather than just complaining about the person that you're with. Like, if I know something isn't make or break for our relationship, but I think it could change the way that someone viewed him, I won't say it. Um, I know this isn't really advice for a friend, but I do think that it depends on how it's making you feel. Um, I have a friend who was in a relationship where her boyfriend cheated and she didn't leave him and I knew that she wasn't going to. So I just said to her, like, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. But if you're not, then I'm here to help. And they broke up, and I was careful how I said things because I had a feeling that they were going to get back together. So I wasn't just like, yay, I hate him. I was just like, okay, well, I'll be here for you through the breakup. And then when they got back together, I just again was like, hey, if you're happy, that's okay. Like, I'm here for you. Um, but I think the difference is for me, that situation wasn't draining. Whereas when it was me and the toxic relationships, my friends were going through shit because they had to watch it and be there for me when I wasn't doing anything to help myself. And I think that's a difference. Like if you, you shouldn't have to go through shit to deal with someone else's relationship that they won't. Um, and also toxic people can try to cause problems within their partner's friendship so that they have no one else and are kind of forced to stay with them. So I think be careful of that because yeah, they will just try and cause any issues to make them have no friends. Um, So just make sure that they're not left alone. Um, And, yeah, I hope this was somewhat helpful. I love the podcast. I've been listening since the start. And, yeah, thanks. I think that's so helpful. And I think that distinction between when, when you get older or when you just have more experience in relationships or you're in a relationship that is like it feels different like whether it's a person that you end up with or whatever that you actually don't like bitch to your friends about it mm-hmm. like and like if you like you she said like if you go to your friends for advice but you do filter that in the sense of okay am I going to complain and bitch about my partner and is this going to make them change the way that they think of them and then is this a passing feeling for me, though? Like, this isn't a deal breaker for me, but it can't. It will be a deal breaker for them. And I think that's something that people also need to learn about with, like, talking about to their parents about relationships, too. That we assume that everybody's in our own head and can be, like, just a sounding board. And people aren't sounding boards. Mm-hmm. Like, they remember shit. They, they have their own reactions. And especially when they care about you, 
they have their own feelings about it. Right. But like she said, when she was in the toxic relationship, if it's draining for your friends, that it does put like it, it puts the friends in a position in which there it's a it's a lose lose. Mm-hmm. You have to either prioritize you or you pri- prioritize them. And like she said, yeah, staying in and keeping those friendships in a way that doesn't leave them totally alone, mm-hmm. but also doesn't completely drain, drain you, you and ruin your mental health yep. is really important. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it later on, too, uh, after the ep- that episode came out. And I think what I wish I would have said advice-wise, I think maintaining a friendship with someone who's in a toxic relationship so they're not alone is great, but then making sure that you as the friend are really fostering other friendships that fulfill you and sustain you so then you can be friends with that other person still yeah because you can't get anything out of them ever at all Mm -hmm. and it's not really it's not really a friendship at that point because like there's There's, no give and take yeah it's more of you just being there in case something happens exactly so then you need to go out of your way to fill your life with so many friends like to like such good solid friendships that you can also then talk about this other stuff that you're talking about with your friend and then that that friend that maybe you used to go to them for everything you have other people to go to Mm -hmm. and so you're still in their circle so they're there to support them and hopefully once they inevitably break up and so they're not alone and all that and things can then get back to how they used to be but focusing on other friendships so you don't get so like you know fully drained from that which i think is like i think that's very very fair Mm -hmm. like i oh my god i would if it's like your best friend I would be like, I would die. Yeah. I would struggle. Struggle hard. Um, well, hell yeah. That's it for our episode, guys. If you enjoyed, please uh, leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. And if you want to call in for an upcoming episode, you can leave us a voicemail at 310-694-0976. Well, cool. If you guys haven't subscribed to this channel yet, please do. If you want to follow us, we have an Instagram, Dumblon Meme Pod. We have our own individual socials. My book is out. My presets are out. Melissa has a bunch of other podcasts. Would you like to promo one of them? Let's see. What should I promo today? Let's go with uh, Not Too Deep. Why not? Woo-woo. Megan was I don't on. I've ever heard of that. <laughs> Megan's been on never three episodes. She was on one a few, it. like a month. I think by the time this comes out, it was a month ago. She was on one, and it was very enjoyable for me to see two. Did you see all the comments that said that like Grace and I look like, like the same person? Like. That's what I was like. I saw them, I mean, but I it's because we're both beige. That's what I was saying about being beige. <laughs> we're both just beige people. <laughs> I think, darker, it's not yeah, I think your darker hair uh, she's actually a brunette too she's like a dark brunette and i think okay. um like this i don't think it makes you look as beige actually no i self-tanned because i look oh, okay. well no i no beige is what i want to look like got it beige is the beige is like my hair kind of blends in with my skin okay. and like i have soft features a haze of beige <laughs> haze of beige <laughs> Like yeah. Ace of Face, Haze of Beige. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's a, a interview show and it's really fun and you should go watch it. Listen to it. Bob Saget Whatever. was also on. Yeah, he was on the week before Megan was. Isn't that crazy? But it was just, we Obsessed. recorded it the same day. Chelsea Handler's um, been on there. Oh, that's a good one. I, I love that right. one. I'm trying to think of some of my other favorites. I mean, they're all good. Mm-hmm. Even if it's somebody that I don't 
know specifically. She's just, she's very warm and makes it seem like there's somebody that she's been friends with forever. She's such a good host Mm -hmm. in the sense that like, again, like I literally will watch episodes where I'm like, I have no idea who this person is. And like, I wish I could be as like, she's like so adaptable. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, I wish I was like that. People can tell when I don't like someone. (laughs) Like, it's pretty fucking obvious. Me too. Uh, Yeah. Shows on our faces. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that's it. Our Facebook group is still closed for people who are asking. Yeah. We've g- um, getting a lot of DMs. They're like, I just listened to the recent episode and I wanted to join the Facebook group. I was like, you didn't listen to the very end, did you? <laughs> yeah. So we are, uh, you know, not accepting new members for the time being. Yeah. And we will be accepting some later on. We're going to be changing the questions that get people in. And we are, we've got like 3,000, around 3,000 people in the group right now. And we're just making sure that by the time that you guys join it, that there are no stragglers of people who... Yeah. We still haven't gone a week without kicking somebody out. No. <laughs> so, But yeah. Okay. All right. That's it. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, guys. Don't Blame Me is a production by me, executive produced by Melissa DeMonts, edited by Katrina Henning, and music by Ryan Hunter and Giacomo Picasso.